and welcome back to A Bite Out of Bethel, where food is not just a way of gaining nourishment, but a way of sharing culture, memories, and love. Today's guest is Brittany Rooney, an itinerant teacher who has been working at LKSD for the last nine years. Welcome, Brittany. Thank you so much. So you work at LKSD, correct? Mm-hmm. I'm a special ed itinerant. Okay. And as for you personally, if I may ask, what is your ethnicity? Um, I am about 75% Irish and then like a weird mix of other things because my mother, my mother is a weird mix of things and then my father is 100% Irish. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually have some Cherokee to me and um, Jewish, I think we found out. I'm not sure what else. We did a DNA test, but <laughs> I can't remember the results. <laughs> That sounds like a lot of mixes. That's very, it's very, very like interesting mm-hmm. background as well. And what is the name of the dish that you'll be talking about today? Um, so my grandmother made kolachkis and it was traditionally done around Christmas time. And it was a whole process between almost the whole family. So like usually ended up being just the girls. <laughs> It'd be my mother, my sister and myself. I won't go into the details of the recipe just yet. <laughs> okay. And as for... The dish, I'm really excited to talk about it because I mentioned slightly to you that another guest on the show had been talking about it, mm-hmm. how she's um, Polish and she went to go connect with her roots and she found kolachkis. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was really excited to now get the recipe for them as well. Did you grow up cooking? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, actually, I'm probably one of the world's worst cooks is what <laughs> most of my friends will tell you. Um, but I'm a good baker. I can make cookies and all that. I have tried to make cinnamon tilapia. <laughs> that is probably the worst story that most people will tell you about my cooking. So I'm, I'm not the best cook. <laughs> Can I ask how that got started? <laughs> uh, boredom. Um, so I come from a family that doesn't cook very often. We all played sports, so we would get McDonald's or we would do frozen meals. So when I finally got out of the house and I moved to Kipnock first, I was just experimenting with food. And so I was also a, not a vegetarian, but a pescatarian. And so I was trying to see different fish recipes and (laughs) messing around with what happened to be in the kitchen. It did not turn out good. As soon as I said what was on it, my roommate at the time just went and threw it away. That was it. Oh, you guys didn't even taste (laughs) it? We didn't even taste it. It went in the garbage. No. Wow. (laughs) So you did not (laughs) cooking. When you were growing up, who usually prepared the food in your household? My mother would. um, And she went back to college when I was in middle school. So it kind of turned into my dad would try to cook. But he he was working full time. So he would just call for pizza. And we knew when he when my mom started to become a full time nurse, you knew when dad was home with you, he would call just on his way home, I'm picking up pizza. What do you want? <laughs> that was kind of how the cooking went in my family. So where are you from originally, and how does that compare to where your parents are from? Um, so my parents were both in, like, grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. They kind of moved around a little bit. And then I grew up in a very small farm town, 45 minutes south of Chicago. So it was a little more kind of rural, almost like it was preparing me for off-the-road system, (laughs) Alaska. Um, 
they grew up where they could get to a lot more things and do a lot more things. And I think as teenagers and in their 20s, they got in some trouble. So they didn't want that for their kids. <laughs> so we ended up in a very small town, even smaller than Bethel. There's only 1,500 people in the town that I grew up in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> very small compared. And I know you said that your mom started working because she went back. To, oh, she went back to college, and your dad was at work. So when the food was prepared, what foods did you typically eat growing up? Oh, a lot of banquet frozen chicken meals, <laughs> um, pizza, obviously, lasagna. We, my mother did make lasagna every once in a while. She's she makes a lot more now than she did in the past and my dad's now retired so now he has his signature spaghetti dish that he will make um, but I can't really remember <laughs> <laughs> that's okay um, so you would say it was like more more ready made or prepared meals mm-hmm. more than just yeah I'm coming home and here's dinner yeah they, during major holidays you, they would prepare things and you knew that you were going to get whatever is traditionally there on Easter or Thanksgiving or Christmas and mom would get the stuff beforehand and we'd have to make, you know, Christmas cookies and stuff like that. So that is probably the most time I would see my mother in the kitchen was during Thanksgiving and Christmas. We would always have Christmas Eve, so she would always be cooking (laughs) during that time. So now that you are older I'm assuming you're not living with your parents anymore no you could be there's no shame in that um who prepares the food in your household now if so (laughs) my boyfriend does for most of the meals he is um a clinical dietitian at the hospital and so he likes to cook he went to school for it and he does a very good job so I I will cook like um over summer and Christmas break and stuff like that when I'm not working so um, but he does most of the cooking. He even cooks for the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and now that he is cooking, how would you say the food compares to how it was when you grew up? Oh, he's a much better chef. <laughs> Tell my mother. <laughs> but he, he cooks all very well. Okay. And I'm a little curious as to how you started Baking, growing up in a household where, you know, maybe not to say that food wasn't the priority because it, mm-hmm. it is, um, but that, how did you begin your, your baking journey? So, as a pescatarian, I love sweets. <laughs> and because, obviously, there's no meat in most baked goods, it was much easier just to make cookies and tweak cookie recipes and still make them okay not add cinnamon to tilapia and stuff like that (laughs) adding cinnamon to a chocolate chip cookie is a lot easier than doing it anywhere else um but that and just like my first year in Kipnuk because that was the first place I went in the delta uh we always had to bake things for other people and so I could easily look at a cookie recipe off of the toll house bag and make that so that's how I started to do some baking okay. and to clarify for folks at home a pescatarian is when you do not eat meat but you still ingest seafood mm-hmm. okay. yeah so I I did that for 10 years and then I 
decided I wanted to try more of the cultural dishes out here. So I ate some moose and some walrus and things like that. <laughs> I love to see it. My mom's also a pescatarian. I don't know if that's something you guys have talked about, but <laughs> yeah. if it comes down to it, she'll also eat <laughs> like moose and other things. So how did the kolachkis come to you? Were they passed down from a grandmother or? Yeah, so originally my grandmother had made kolachkis every Christmas. And then my mother started making kolachkis with us every Christmas. And now I think it's just me and my sister will make them. It's just too much work for my mother to make them by herself. And my my sister has a child, so he, he kind of helps it's always much easier when you have a little, the little hands to help you out. So it's kind of gone on from there. Okay. And do you have any memories that tie you to them? Perhaps like there was a certain Christmas you remember them just appearing or any specific memories? Not really. I can remember because our recipe has ice cream in it. I can remember putting my hands in like the dough with the ice cream and your hands are cold. And just that was kind of the worst task out of all of it because it was kind of an assembly line when we got all together. Someone would have to do the hand mixing because you have to use your hands. You can't use a spoon for that. And then roll it, press out the cookies, and then we put in the filling. So I I just remember that being the worst part because your hands get so cold by touching the ice <laughs> And can you describe the process of making one? Like, why can't you use a spoon? It's just, it's too thick, especially with, because the first thing you do is you put the flour and the pint of ice cream in a bowl. And it's just such a dense texture there's no way to get in there with a spoon or even a spatula. So you kind of mix that with your hands. Then you put it on. We always use parchment paper for everything. Put it on parchment paper. You flour that, of course. And then you roll it out with a roller. And then we always used wine glasses or champagne flutes to cut out your cookies. And then my mother would have little silver spoons to make the indent for your filling and also to put your filling in. So we always had baby spoons for that. And then after you do that, you bake it. Of course, my grandmother's recipe does not have any of the temperature on it <laughs> or <Yeah>. how long <laughs> yeah. or any of the steps. It just tells you the four ingredients <laughs> and that's it. Eyeball it. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got the recipe and actually tried to make them for the first time in Kipnuk, I was like, what do I do? Like, I'm Googling, how how long does this go in for? What's the temperature? How do I not burn these? So luckily, I think I did overdo, like, the butter because there is a good amount of butter that goes in there. And so it was a little more like a flat pancake when it came out. But <laughs> they came out good. <laughs> good. And does the ice cream go in the oven too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So it makes it more of like a pastry, flaky cookie once you bake it and we just add power powder sugar after they come out and they cool for a little bit wow that's so interesting (laughs) (laughs) and how do you think if not cooking but maybe baking has affected your relationship with those around you be it your boyfriend or your parents or your grandma who taught you 
I'm not sure. <laughs> well, my my grandmother has passed away. So she passed away right before COVID. So it is kind of like a, a memory. Then you get to kind of remember her. Remember her. Um, Relationship-wise, I think, it, I mean, everybody likes food. <laughs> so you can't, it doesn't hurt to make food for other people. Um, I enjoy cooking for others. Today I made dinner before I left and brownies. So um, it's kind of a nice nice way to show you love somebody sometimes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I feel like that does go hand in hand, like food and care. Like whenever people are like, oh, I'm sick, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. The first thing is, can I bring you soup? Mm-hmm. Or would you like some hot tea? Yeah. It's just, it is a nice way. And how do you think culture and food interact in general, like community-wise or world-wise, culture-wise? I think it's it's been a great way to connect with other people, especially like coming into a different culture. If I created something or made something, baked something that was from my culture and brought it in for either my students or for the staff, it always seemed to be like a great way to connect with others because we could talk about how this was the same or different from what they make and so it was it's been great to share that with others Mm -hmm. and if you could recommend another dish from your background (laughs) (laughs) well the second like holiday favorite in my family is probably a very weird combination but it is like a jello that has applesauce and raspberries and it's a raspberry jello but it has a topping that goes with it and so it's sour cream and marshmallows is that like ambrosia kind of you kind of just make them separate and then just leave them out and i know my brothers and sisters if that was out for thanksgiving it was gone (laughs) And some of my other family, like extended family members, would not like it, especially the <laughs> topping. But um, that was from my other grandmother on my dad's side. So that's a another holiday favorite. <laughs> I think it's so nice that you have both sides of. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that your parents are of different culture, but I might be wrong. They're they're about the same. Um, my dad's side obviously identifies a lot with the Irish culture and having a lot of Irish food. Um, we actually still have extended cousins who live in Ireland that I got to visit um, two years ago. So that was kind of cool because we sat down and we had food with them. Um, and they made rhubarb, pro- yeah, rhubarb pie and from their own rhubarbs from their garden, which was really cool. But um, yeah, that that they seem to be the one who identifies more with one culture. Um, my mom, I, I, I feel like they identify as Italian more than anything, but I, I, don't, I don't know if that's completely true. Um, but it's been interesting. <laughs> it's still nice to know that you have <laughs> recipes from both sides meeting mm-hmm. you in the middle, Deb you will one day maybe pass on (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for joining me today it's been a very wonderful conversation (laughs) thank you for having me (laughs) this has been a bite out of bethel thanks for listening 
Let's eat.